Welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast where you can join me, Lisa Cooper, and my colleagues, Chris Schreiner and Diana Franganillo, as we go beyond the buzzwords and talk about the latest user research, technology, innovation, and all things impacting user experience and human-centered design of personal devices and services, whether it be at home or on the go. As always, UX Soup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis, and expertise. Welcome. My name is Lisa Cooper, and I'm joined today by my colleagues, Chris Reiner. Hello. And Diana Franganillo. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Chris. Welcome. Uh, so today, we are going to talk about banking and the user experience of banking. So let's get straight to it and think about all of the various tasks we do in banking, such as logging in. What have our experiences been with logging in? For me, the experience is positive when I can use biometrics. Mm. If I can use biometrics, yeah, then it's fine. But for example, if, if I'm in front of somebody and I need to wear the mask on or something, it doesn't work. And for me, trying to think, ah, what was the user in this bank, uh, banking application or what was the password? Did I bother to change the password or did I use the one that I've received? All of those things. So biometrics, fantastic. Oh, when biometrics doesn't work. Yeah, I, I need that fingerprint to, to log me in right away. The last thing I want to do is on my phone, try and type in passwords with, because I, I never want to save a banking password. Because to me, that's a little more, uh, you know, I, more sensitive. Yeah, more sensitive. So I always end up typing in a banking password. And with all the special characters and all of that and the length that you need, just having a biometric there is, even though, again, biometrics, do you want those saved? Is another discussion. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, the, the ease of it of logging into my account that way is second to none. What I hate the most is when they, make you do the, the two-factor thing and say, hey, let me send you a text message or an email to this account and then enter this five-digit code. And I'm like, I don't have my phone nearby. You know, if I'm on my tablet, my phone's in another room, to have to go get it is a pain. It's a very long process. Although we know from our research, uh, some people really struggle with the idea of biometric data being saved. But on the other hand, we're sort of drowning in a sea of passwords. I know for me, I just opened a new account and it set me up. Uh, it's an online account, so it set me up using my phone's camera to do a facial ID. Um, so that was new for me and I, I really like it. But as you said, Diana, if you've got a face mask or anything like that, or sunglasses, that's also been another thing that can be a problem. Transferring money. How has that played out for you? So for me, transferring money, I mean, I understand that you need that two steps identification. So then when you put all the data in and then you need to grab your card to get some coordinates or to generate some codes, and then you then need to receive a text message as well. So I think it's a convoluted process, but it's, it is for a good reason. I have two different banks. One is still using these uh, coordinates card, physical card, which I find to be a little bit, I don't know, outdated. It works, but it doesn't work for me. For example, if I am 
if I'm away for the weekend and then I have the quiet time to pay my bills to, you know, to do what I, what I need to do within the bank. And then it's like, oh no, I can't. I need to wait until Monday. So that's, that's something that works really easily, but it's inconvenient because of course I don't carry that around. And, and with the other bank that uh, you just need to generate a code, an electronic code within the application, I think that works much better for me. Here in the U.S., there's been a, a, a bit of a transition to make it easier. I know several years ago, and some banks still do this now, and it's very annoying when you try and link one bank to another to do an interbank transfer. They'll have you put in the routing number and account number, and then they'll put small deposits in, like of two cents or three cents. Mm. And then you have mm-hmm. to go back. You have to wait for those deposits to clear or to show up in your bank and then go back to the new bank and enter in what those were so that it confirms that that transfer worked and that it was an account that you have access to to make that link. And while, yes, that's very secure, having to wait that long to set things up is annoying. And I, I never liked that whole process. It's It's gotten a lot better now. We're just being able to put the routing number and account number and then it's there. You know, it, that's... I think that's secure enough to be able to to at least move money to. So in the UK, there's a group of banks that have come together to make money transfers really simple. And so uh, those banks that are in that, this, it includes quite a number of banks. So transferring money between those banks online is very, very quick and easy. Uh, so that's been my experience after being here for a short time that that's that's really helped it's not got all of the unnecessary steps that i've been used to with banks in the us i think the best in the uk was that when you transfer money that is actually immediate because in spain it yeah. took uh, monies usually retain the money for kind of like yep. two three days mm-hmm. so i think now there might be a um, european regulation against it but you always get the money the earliest on the next day but in the uk it was within two hours tops yeah i mean over here if it's just going from like your checking account to your savings account within the same bank it's immediate but to go from yeah. bank from Between one accounts. account yeah that takes a good day yeah. or two yeah but in the UK, it's just like it's just like yeah, that, and also instant, yeah. Well, something like peer-to-peer payments, which you're seeing more over in Europe, that are integrated into banking. That's not in the US at this point. You have to use a third-party app. You have to use Venmo or Cash or PayPal mm-hmm. to do that over here. Still, banks, as far as I'm aware, haven't you haven't been able to implement that. Now, whether that's for regulations or some other reason, I'm not an expert enough in banking to know. I wonder if it's the size of the U.S. um, or because of different regulations within different states. Bear in mind as well that in Spain, the the only successful business are the banks. (laughs) So, So, yeah, but I, I I don't know if it was a few months ago. I need to check that if that data is correct, but the, because the company that has made it possible and all the banks are getting on board with this Bizum like peer-to-peer payment service. And that was from a few years ago. So five years ago, when I was still living in the UK, everybody was using it already. And I think the company had like 
10, 12 employees. So Amazing. I thought that, that was, yeah, I thought that, that was impressive. But the peer-to-peer payment services are really comfortable. I know that they used to exist in the UK as well, integrated with the banking apps. So I, did, I didn't know, I don't know why they didn't succeed as, as they have succeeded here. I mean, here, for example, if you want need to buy a present for somebody, ah, yeah, everybody's transferring you using Visum rather than using PayPal, for example, because it's, it's completely free. Or if you go to a restaurant and you somebody's kind of, ah, yeah, you pay or you split by card or somebody's paying and the other ones are making a peer-to-peer payment. So it's just uh, super easy. And and probably the thing that you know of somebody is going to be the telephone number and more difficult to know the bank account details. So. Are there any of those peer-to-peer services integrated into an actual banking app or are they all third-party? No, no, integrated. So it's, it's like a, when I log into my bank, I see that I I am given the choice of either making a transfer or making a Bizum. So they are kind of like sitting at the same level now yeah. because the, the penetration is so high. That is like really, really easy. One of the other challenges over here in the States is that there are just so many banks. You have You have the national banks, but you have a lot of regional banks. You have a lot of local credit unions. You have a lot of online-only banks. And all of them are going to obviously be at different stages in terms of development and features and what they can offer that some integrated approach like that uh, is is a lot tougher to do because it's so fragmented. I have an online banking. If somebody you're wanting to pay has the same bank account, the same bank, you could just send it over your phone. You can just pay instantly. Right. So there's peer-to-peer within the same bank, but you have to know what bank that the person that you're trying to pay belongs to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need any bank details for this particular bank. No bank details. If they're in the same bank as you, it's it's no hassle at all to pay them. It's really easy because the other day I wanted to to repay the payment to the same person, but I needed to go and I was like, oh, yeah, I got the the phone number of the person I have to pay. I have this in my, on my, on some WhatsApp messages. And, and the thing is that it is as smart as well, because it's like, okay, who do you want to pay? Do you want to pay? So here's your agenda with all the telephone numbers you've got. This is, you can filter as well for recent transactions. So then you can go and repeat the same that you have done before. So yeah, I think it's very, it's very well thought. I, I think I, I was quite skeptical a few years ago when I needed to, to the to do one of to make one of these peer to peer payments when I was still back in the UK, and I was uh, I said, can I transfer this to you using PayPal? Ah, yeah, that's fine. But don't you have Bizum? And I was thinking, nothing can beat PayPal. And actually, <laughs> yes, it's much more convenient. So the other way too, and this on this online bank account is you can send a link so people can send you money. So this is integrated into this bank. Well, it just seems to me that banking over in the UK and Europe is a lot more advanced and yes. easy yes. to do for these kinds of everyday tasks than they are over here. I mean, it was only about two years ago that I was able to take a photo of a check to deposit it in my account 
so that I didn't have to go. Oh my and goodness. My main bank account, my main bank, because it's a regional bank, still doesn't allow me to do that. I still have to go in physically to deposit a check to there. So why why are you guys still using checks? Like in France. I know. <laughs> I know. We still use checks. That's one of the biggest things I still don't understand. Why why in the US are we still using paper checks? I didn't know that you were using it in the States as well. It yep, feels really yep. important. It reminds me of, you know, like it feels like a big payment when you do a check. Oh, yeah. Like you a do. formal payment. The, the more effort you have to do to paying something, the more you think about whether or not it's worth the effort or whether you should be doing this. So, yeah, to write a big check, that's there's a lot more consideration to spending that money than there would be just Venmoing it to somebody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, as I said before, I find spending money too easy mm -hmm. these days. One aspect of all this that we're not, we haven't talked about yet is we know that not everybody has access to digital banking or smartphones and things like that. And then you have the elderly population that may be resistant to using these new, I mean, things are updating so quickly, it's hard for them to keep on top of it. I wonder if there's more access to technology in the UK and Europe for the population uh, as a whole. I think that you need to have access to both. Yes, you need still brick and mortar banks placed in the right neighborhoods, right places for those that might not have access. But that doesn't mean that you can't also provide these more frictionless mm. solutions they both can exist it's not neither or question here i find it very difficult as i said before to go to the brick and mortar banks because most probably they will be closed by lunchtime which here is two o'clock i feel sorry for the elderly population as well because sometimes there are kind of like um, signs or you know announcements that says at the door to pay receipts is between 10 and half past 10 in the morning. So, <laughs> so you know, apart from wow. this limitation in the opening times, yeah. um, there are these limitations in the schedule. And, and these limitations, I think, mainly impact, it, impact them because they are the ones that are going to be, you know, mm -hmm. trying to pay receipts and not doing it online. Yep. So, yeah, I think sometimes it's, it's slightly inconvenient. I mean, the... The services that are left for the elderly people are a little bit inconvenient. And because they might be retired, it might not it doesn't mean that they don't have anything else to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So Yeah. And of course it's it's always nice to talk to someone, especially when um you have a situation that doesn't necessarily fit into any particular bucket or for issues that don't necessarily fall into those automated menus that you have to talk to when you are dealing with an online bank. And then things like applications. Applications have become much, much easier for some banks, but when you're trying to apply to a mortar, brick and mortar bank, they can be really laborious mm -hmm. um, and take a long time. So that just pushes us, pushed me anyway, more towards an easier application so I didn't have to deal with all of that. Okay, so that was a good discussion. I think now it's time for condensed soup. Condensed soup. Whoop, whoop. So today we're going to talk about our best and worst banking experiences. 
so I will go first. My best experience has been with a particular online bank where I just signed up recently. I, it actually has buckets where you can put money that you're saving up for a specific goal. Um, and I really love that because I don't like everything being in one pot and I'm constantly trying to figure that out. Um, so I'm able to set aside and put in different buckets money so that I can save it. I've gone so far as to have different bank accounts to, for those kinds of different buckets. So to be able to have a, a bank that does that for you is a nice added feature. Absolutely. I think my best banking experience was um, in-person bank experience. When I went to sign, well, when I was in the process of preparing for the signature of my mortgage for my flat in the UK, the guy was super nice. Of course, um, he tried to sell me, you know, a life insurance and other stuff as well. <laughs> then, but then I remember that when I moved into my, my, my apartment uh, a few days later, um, a card came through the post and maybe they do it for every customer, but I felt really special. So even if they do for everybody, for me, it was, it was great. Like, yeah welcome, to you. yeah, welcome to your new place. And I think for me, the worst has been as well when I needed a car replacement or a um, card that I had misplaced or lost and I had to, run, uh, to ring the bank and at some point, um, the phone, the telephone to make this call wasn't free. It was kind of like oh. a, one of these telephones where you get charged. Wow. Oh, I was amazed. I was like, and and to make the process even worse, they were like, okay, we will send you the card to this address because I was not in my home. So I was in another visiting my parents. So I had to nominate another office for them to send me the card. And then the car didn't arrive. So it cost me money to get to nothing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we have to have a new way of actually receiving cards or maybe do away with cards altogether. Have everything contactless at some point. Yeah. Because I know there's a limit on contactless payments. You can only go to a certain amount. But, you know, that, that would be a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My best experience is, is similar to Diana's in that it was a brick and mortar bank. And so I've been having to do uh, more transactions in person lately. And so, like I said earlier, I, I have a small regional bank that I use for my main account. And I've been going in there, you know, once a week or sometimes it was like twice in the same week uh, for this. And it got to the point where I walked in and they said, hi, Chris. <laughs> like they they knew me by just by my face and it was like oh first it was weird and first and then it was like oh i've, I've, I've been coming to this bank too often <laughs> but then it's like no that's actually kind of nice it's nice to have that it just speaks to this whole technology thing of yes there are things that are frictionless and it makes that experience quicker and easier but it is more isolating you know to walk into your bank and i'm going to sound really old fashioned saying this, but to walk into your bank and have people recognize you, or I've seen them out and I've recognized them, that kind of social community connection is, is something that a lot of this uh, movement toward online banking and, and removing that kind of friction, it's, it also gets rid of that social element. And I, I enjoyed that. I, I liked them recognizing me when I walked in. Yeah, it's a price we're paying, isn't it? 
Okay, so thank you. That's all we have time for today. If you'd like to chat more about banking or mobile apps of any kind, feel free to send us questions. You can email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes are on our podcast website, ux-soup.com, where you can find links to our recent research. There you can also connect with each of us on LinkedIn. A reminder that UX Soup is sponsored, as always, by Strategy Analytics, where you can check out the latest user-focused insights in mobile, automotive, and smart home by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.